Hey guys, Tim's just Howdy. in here making fun of me for dancing to our intro music because he says I'm not Baptist anymore. Comes from this. I'm Mister. Came from the conservative background. They don't. They don't do that kind of stuff. That's that's not salvific right there. There's a big word for you. Yeah, we can dance. <laughs> hey, we're going to be talking about uh, a lot of things. We're going to be talking about Psalm 23. We're going to be talking about kingdom vision and what that looks like in that in in Psalm 23 and why that's important. So hang with us. We'll be right back in just a second. All right. Welcome back. If you're out there watching, as always, couple of things um like it share the share the podcast go ahead and share it on your facebook or whatever um let get your friends watching it try to try to help us out and comment you know even if you just say hey i'm out here watching and uh conservative background let us know that kind of thing we never say this but i do appreciate sean comes in most every yeah. friday helps us run the podcast which gives you those fancy alternating uh, camera angles so you can see tim and i's beauty face to face you know up close but uh the guys behind the camera never get any credit so we wanted to do that um man let's just how are you doing before we jump in well doing all right dealing with life i guess like most everybody else is yeah so hey we have new cups hey sean can you give me a product spot on my camera i guess you can't i can just we got some cups, man. You just got to walk it over there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thanks, Sean. The great thing about a podcast is, and not worrying about how whether it's scripted or not, is we can do what we want, and it's almost kind of fun. It's yeah. probably boring for you. Yeah, but it's fun. But anyway, you can get these now on our website. Uh, there's a link on there. You can get them, have them shipped right to you. Um, but Orthotomeo is the name that we gave to our Bible study course that we where we train people and teach people how to study the Bible. So there's also a T-shirt coming out. We we'll hope we have those next week that we can show you that says that. But if you're uh, a real students, you can look up Orthotomeo and try to figure out what that means. It always sounds like you're saying the other tomato when you say it. It's the, it is the other tomato. The other tomato. Okay, so when Tim and I get together and we start talking or we teach, just about anytime we've had this conversation before but i wanted to revisit the whys of it we talk about kingdom vision i think actually that was your term that you came up with i mean you've had a couple of good ideas in the whole time but that was one well i've been talking about uh or i've been using the term kingdom as far back as i've been growing in the lord so that's probably in my 20s early 20s well, what I'm explore that some, yeah. So I didn't even have anybody teach me that term, but just as I read the scriptures and the way I was discipled, uh, I had an Orthodox Jew that had that became a Christian. And when I say Orthodox Jew, you know, he had memorized the first five books of the Bible, that kind of thing. So he was wow. steeped in a lot of biblical uh, uh, liturgy, history. Yeah, but the t academic, because mm. uh, that's how he was raised. 
And so anyway, he got saved, and he was, I don't know, he's probably almost 20 years older than I was. But, I mean, by the time he got to me, he had a real unique, or what I, I would call a unique spin on, on the scriptures uh, than most of the rest of us do. And so uh, through that teaching, um, I just, I, I guess I was taught from the very beginning to, to look at things the way God looks at them, because that's kind of how he taught. He never really used that terminology, if I remember right. But to me, uh, he, Jesus is the kingdom mm -hmm. with a capital K. Uh, God ordained it, put him in there. He can get into the Trinity and all that stuff. But if, whether you're talking about God the Father, Jesus the Son, or the Holy Spirit, any one of those in a singular function is the kingdom in its action. And so that meant something to me. And so I was always looking to see how he was going. And so that's why I started using this term, the kingdom is this, the kingdom's doing that. Not because Jesus said, you know, the kingdom... Uh, is at hand or the, not those kind of statements. Uh, at any rate, uh, that just clicked in my head that he is the kingdom. And so what's the kingdom doing is really just saying, what's the Lord doing? or what's yeah. Jesus? And, and I don't know why, but people kind of picked up on that term. I wasn't intending to do that. That's just how I saw it. And it never occurred to me that people were picking that up. And I would talk about the kingdom and people would be cocking their heads sideways. Yeah. They never even asked, well, what does that mean? Well, and I, for me, when we started talking about the kingdom a long time ago, yeah. was the, you were the, probably the first person that I ever encountered that talked about it in that way. And I think part of what the reason people cock their head at you about it is because of the the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God. What's the difference? And they've heard that before. Right. And there's what's the difference? And in a very specific way, the, the scripture, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, talking about the, the rule. David uses the kingdom authority rule of, of yeah. Christ. And all of that is also inclusive in the idea of the kingdom, but it's the, it's, it's the intent and everything that is the essence almost of what God's doing to me. When we talk about what's the kingdom doing, it's what? the God, the spirit, the intent, the, and, and maybe that's a cop out of a way to look at it. No, it's not. And you can say, well, that's a spiritual thing. Let it it goes into the depth of what as I've studied over the years I'm always trying to figure out what God's doing because I look at him in intense kind of like a man I don't mean that in a blasphemous sense uh, but we ponder over things and we look and we dig and we wonder and we get excited well as I read the God of the Old and the New Testament I see the same things happening well, we were made in that image Right. We are the Imago Dei. So, right. So you can read that, and that is like an academic thing, and you can accept it, and but you don't really know what it means. And in my salvation, and in my walk, and in my study, it was a living, real thing. I almost said something here that I don't think we're ready to talk about yet. Uh, but it, it had to do with how I see the Lord moving. And how real it is. Yeah, I haven't fantasized that it. I hope it's real. So that's not what I'm talking about. And maybe that's where some people are. And I, I would tell you that's okay. It's something to wrestle with. But for me, it's always been very personal, very real. And so uh, I always wanted to. Uh, 
Hmm. I talk in those terms all the time and I teach in those terms all the time. It never occurred to me because I just assumed people were smarter than I am. So I just assumed that they tracked all the time. That hasn't even got anything to do with intelligence. It has to do with how the Lord met me. Mm -hmm. That's what I would tell you. And so everything I read, everything I study, all of that is not an academic exercise. It is in terms of the discipline of making myself do it every day and that kind of right. stuff. But outside of that, uh, I quit studying for two or three years because the things I could see may not be able to articulate all of it, but I could see the movement and it was so deep and so rich. I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore. That sounds bad. That's not really what I mean. In a good way. You're just overwhelmed. It is. It was overwhelming and I was, I would have prayers. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I don't know what to do with it when I get it because it's so much. And I know that it's powerful and it can make me all these things and I can help other people and so to speak and blah, blah, blah. But just having to sift through all that, the kingdom is so much bigger than I am and all it did was just make it more real. Right. And so... Well, I think a lot of times too, we look at, we think about the kingdom of God. We think about Christianity and the things of God in such a... You mentioned it a while ago. It's kind of a, well, that's the spiritual realm. This is the natural realm and we want to separate the two. And there are two. I mean, we do have a natural realm and a spiritual realm, but they're so integrated. But from the kingdom's perspective, there is all, no separation. Right, from the kingdom's perspective. That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's all one big thing. And that's when the scriptures teach us, and we've been talking about this, um, to push through what we can see into the unseen. And, you know, yeah. the definition of faith is the evidence of things we cannot see, you know, the hope or things that are beyond. <laughs> because if we get focused on what we can see, we're going to miss the grand reality that is the kingdom. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that's the sad part of people who don't have faith, who are you know, naturalist or whatever, whatever the term is today for people who are just not, not just atheists or agnostics, but I mean, people who just, this is it. This is all there is, you know, um, we, we live, we die, we st stop existing is they've missed so much of what reality is. Well, I think they get to that point because they can't put life together and they know there's something bigger out there. And here's why that is. So this is a kingdom perspective. God didn't create us as the separate entities and maybe we can come together, maybe we can't. From his perspective, you're a piece of him. Yeah. And he knows that all the way down to its depth. We're on the back side of that going, we know there's something bigger than us. And I ain't just talking about Christians. I'm talking about people walking around out there and people tell them that God's stuff and all that's a bunch of hogwash, get rid of it. And so they're struggling between all that stuff. But the scripture definitely says uh, in its context, and as it's showing as you look at the big picture, things are moving from the Old and New Testament, that, that you're a part of him. I'm not talking about being saved. You get to decide all that, but I'm talking about as a creation. Yeah. You are indwelled with his DNA, and that's why you're looking all the time. You were built like that. Right. Well, and we, we say it all the time, and, and I want to keep saying it all the time, every time. You know, Ecclesiastes 3, eternity is, is in the heart of man. Yeah. And, you know, people have characterized it as there's a God-shaped hole in everybody, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, uh, 
but really and truly it's it's deeper than that it's not just that there's a yearning there's a reason that when you encounter things that are true they resonate with you um for example um we've talked about it before and i want to tie this into psalm 23 we've talked about it before if you don't believe that there's a such thing as eternal truth go steal something from somebody that Mm -hmm. doesn't believe in the lord you know or let someone come steal your stuff. You know, there's no absolute truth. There's no eternal function. Somebody comes and steals half of your junk off out of your house, you know, you're going to be upset. Yeah. And because inherently you know that that's wrong. Inherently that trips something eternal in you. And that's a very simplistic thing. The same way that you go to the Grand Canyon. And I don't care if you're an atheist, agnostic, or you, whatever you are. You stand at the rim of the Grand Canyon, and it is awe-inspiring. <laughs> You know, or and fill in the blank with stuff like that. It resonates something eternal in us. And what we're always and constantly trying to do is to push people past looking at uh, what you can see and hear into what you can't see and hear, but because that what you can't see is the reality. Yeah. And, you know, we, and that's the, we we always come back to it, you know, the, the temple being a shadow it calls it a shadow even when we do everything here just exactly right it's just a shadow and the scriptures are always pointing us into those realities that we can't see and so when we get into passages like psalm 23 they they mean a lot to us at face value in the natural but if we can look at them from a kingdom perspective and what's happening in the unseen world in the reality, it has even more impact on us in the natural. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, it it can almost start sounding like it's too complicated. So I heard somebody reading the 23rd Psalm on some TV show that was going on somewhere in the house. That's how we got started on this particular passage. And as I was listening, I've read that so many times, and it's so common. It's out there everywhere, right? It's almost like, so when you hear it, you can almost mouth it. People can can almost recite that that hadn't got anything to do with church or the Bible or anything else. And I'm not telling you all that was on purpose. I'm just saying that, so here's a common thing, right? And I've read that. I agree with it. I quit reading it for a long time because everybody else read it, you know, and so... <laughs> Uh, I was an idiot, still am. And so let me read that right quick, though. And I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. So, and it says, because it's good and short, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that sounds pretty simple. And anybody that's been in the... In the well, I started to say Christian world, but probably any religious function that uses a Bible in that world, you can read that, and they might. So you might know that David wrote this, you know, come from that, and everybody would just assume that he did. 
And if you've been around any length of time, then you start knowing, you know, David, when he was being chased by Saul and he lived in the desert with his mighty men, you know, that's when he wrote a lot of these things. Uh, under the stress and agony of knowing who you were, but mm -hmm. having to try to figure out how to live with them because it hasn't come to fruition yet, so to speak. And so, uh, uh, you can look at this. So the Lord is my shepherd. You know, so I'm just saying, well, the Lord guides me. I'm David, right? He makes, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, so that's when things are at peace, weather's good, no grass burrs. <laughs> yeah, uh, no grass burrs. Uh, I don't scratch because I have grass allergies. You know, it's, it's, it's a picturesque thing. Uh, he re, uh, he leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. It's all in the first person, right? Uh, he guides me in the paths of the righteous for his name's sake. All the stuff that we talk about now, I do this because. Uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So this he's walking through tumultuous times here, right? Uh, and so uh, with a guy that wants to kill him. Uh I fear no evil for you are with me. Well, we know that David was told he was going to be king, but he was even doubting that probably about the time he wrote this uh, because the oppression was so big, right? Right. Uh, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, anybody that's been in a tough place and, you're, and you've been any kind of a serious Christian walk, when things get bad, it's like there's no atheist in a foxhole. Yeah. You know, uh, even the most hardened A-type personality in their own is going, Lord, uh, help me out here. And so, uh, and you prepare. Anyway, so all this is in first person. And I heard that thing recited over where the TV that was going on in there, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. We're talking about all this kingdom stuff, and how does God see it? You know, where's he at in this? Because of who David was, He's God's creation. He was given this promise, all that stuff. It's not a separation between the two. David is almost reciting what it's like to walk as a part of God in this thing. Here's what I mean. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me besides quiet waters. And this is just what I think, okay? This isn't, I'm not telling you this is theological depth or any of that kind of thing. Everywhere God is, is peaceful and quiet waters from his perspective. Yeah. Because everything comes under his submission when he walks in the room, so to speak. One of the things that we always talk about, let me, let me touch on that, is our culture likes to have this idea that there's this great arm wrestling match between Jesus and yes. the devil or God and the devil. And we see it in a lot of different places, even in Christian culture and spiritual warfare is real. It's absolutely real. It's, absolutely. and it's something that we have to be engaged in at the same time. When you go into the, everything that we believe about how the kingdom works and its authority has got to be tempered by the, by the scriptures and look at and what we talk about kingdom vision is, what does the creation, including Satan, the angels, and whatever, what does the creation do when it encounters God? And 
Jesus in his walk, we see him. We talked about this yesterday. You know, and the the story of the fellow that's uh, uh what's his name? Legion. And he's got all these demons, you know, possessed. <laughs> And you see the reaction from these d demonic forces. Jesus comes on the scene, and their reaction was not bowed chest, up in his face. It was, what are you doing here? It's not yet time. Please don't kill us. It felt like us. they were caught. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I've been sneaking Oreos out of the pantry, and my wife walks in the kitchen. That's exactly what that <laughs> felt like. Yeah, I was like, hey, what are you doing here? And but, but within that, there was an immediate recognition of his authority an immediate recognition of who he was and that was not up for debate or question. And they were like, please don't send us to the abyss. Send us, send us, send us to these pigs. And I think that that is almost like a Philippians two. I think every knee shall bow and yeah. every tongue will confess. I think they thought that that's what had was coming to them right then. Yeah. It's like, Whoa, Whoa, what's happening here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you know, they're smart and, you know, they, and if you, you can tell from other scriptures, Satan quotes the scriptures when he's tempting Jesus. I mean, so it's not like this story is not known. Yeah. And they're privy to the other side of things in the sense that they know the unseen world to some degree. And when Jesus casts these things out, it's like, oh, okay, go to the pigs. And it was almost a nonchalant, you know, we, we want to play it in our mind like it was, you know, uh, an Avengers movie. You know, like everybody's assembled and there was this, you know, and there's this big showdown. But if you read it, it's just like. Or some special chant or. Yeah. He, he drove up all the environment up together <laughs> and then threw them out. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it wasn't like that in the text. It was just, he just spoke in his authority and said, hey, go to the pigs. And they did. And so. I bring that up because of your statement that wherever God is, there is peace. And there's a weird tension because the scriptures also declare that everywhere around God is chaos and turmoil. Yes. And he is a tempest and blah, blah, blah. You know, the top of the Mount Sinai is the picture we get, the thunderings and the lightning. But where he's at, when the middle of all that is peace, is still water, is green grass, in the middle of whatever's happening. Because whatever is happening doesn't threaten him yeah if i rolled up into legion or whatever and i, and I had the ability to perceive there was i don't know thirty thousand demonic ford presence there i'd probably be a little there'd be some underwear changing going <laughs> there'd be, on i'd be like hey guys <laughs> slowly back away um but that's not the response that the kingdom has because the kingdom understands his authority and we could we could talk about how much of that authority we have and how he that's not the point yeah but the point is when i read the lord is my shepherd that one sentence puts order to who i am in comparison to who he is yeah and it starts defining what our roles are what our responsibilities are and who's caring for whom the shepherd's caring for the sheep it's the sheep that needs the water. It's the sheep that needs the green yeah. grass. The shepherd doesn't need those things. And when he says, I shall not want, some of the newer translations, I don't like the way they've tra translated that. And it's because we don't use that word want, but it means I don't lack anything. Yeah. Everything. And the context of this, it has, I sent Tim a deal from Charles Spurgeon quote last night is the context of this, if you have to kind of go back into 22 and 21, and 
he was Tim was talking about, you know, you he's in the caves, he's being pursued. Is not only is he just being pursued and his life is in danger, I mean they're living a rough, terrible existence. Yeah, they are. And they have the right to go in and fix it. He is the anointed king. It's just a messed up kind of From a deal. man's perspective, you're exactly right. right. He had the right to go in and demand to do what he wanted. And in fact, his men got irritated with him over and over again. Yeah. Why did you not, you know, why are you letting Saul do this? And and he wouldn't wouldn't take control of that. But it's in the middle of circumstances like that that he speaks words like this. Yeah. And, you know, whatever, whoever's out there watching and you're like, whatever you're going through right now, I mean, maybe your whole life is absolutely just jacked smooth up. The power of this psalm to me and the idea of kingdom vision is, okay, earthly vision says to me, my life is jacked up. Everything's falling apart. I'm sick. My kids are sick. My family's sick. Somebody's dying. Fill in the blank. I don't have any money. It's turmoil. How in the world am I supposed to walk and be in peace, green and pastures and still waters? Because we have to push through what we can see and realize even in the middle of all that garbage, wherever he's at is peaceful because he's not impacted by those things. Well, and I think in my walk when I was talking about earlier and learning these things, the kingdom and where he's at and how he sees it and how things really work, it's tumultuous for me, and it's not always dependent on me doing the right thing to be able to get to that. Right. What gives me faith is the fact is that no matter what I'm going through by my own hand or outside circumstances, I know he's there and my heart is perfect toward him. And it helps me to stand, if nothing else. And that may sound miserable, but he's right. In Psalms 50, it says that it is a tumultuous mess around when God walks in places. But that's only that's his perspective, and he's watching, and he sees how we take it. Yeah, it's it's chaos to us. But it isn't chaos to him. You say, well, yeah, but it's chaos to us, so it's chaos. We don't get to define what's real, is it? Well, but it's not even definition. It's where is reality at? Reality with a capital R. So even though it's a mess, By it's R. not a mess where he's at. Right. And he orchestrates the things that we interpret as a mess. Yeah. And you have to be okay with that. Well, it's like, and we were talking last week in First Kings with Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam, the king, he wanted to get up his arms and go fight. And he had every right to do so. But the prophet came in and said, no, don't. This is of the Lord. What is of the Lord? Well, it was it was a mutiny. The kingdom was divided. The, <laughs> yeah. Somebody needed to be put down, and the guy, there was a bad guy. And they were both not following the Lord, but Jeroboam was in the wrong. He was the bad guy. And that speaks to me. It was like when things look to us, it, the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, when it's our time, it's our time. You, you know, somebody, we've had some people, you know, that we know at church and stuff recently have had some, some people pass from being sick. They tried everything. Doctors tried it, and you can't stay that you, yeah. when it's time to go. And it's in those times where you can't control anything. Everything is messed up. He is not just there. He's in control. 
Yeah. And that's a big difference. Well, and I guess it's learning to see that. That's what we're talking about, reading these scriptures. Uh, in verse 3, he says, And he restores my soul. God's soul is restored by what happened with with Christ on the cross. Not that Christ did it, but that God put himself down here to pay for the things that we couldn't do. He made it that we can walk in these same... That's what Peter and Paul and all the apostles, when they were just getting tormented to no end, and they kept talking like everything was normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why that when... Paul would get beat up or stoned, and a couple of times it says it's like he was dead. Everybody thought he was done. He got up. He wasn't dead. And I'm sure he wasn't, you know, he could shake it off pretty quick, and he just went right back out saying the things of the kingdom and stuff. And that's why when he said, well, to die is gain. Yeah. And it's almost like somebody asked him that question, and, and it perplexes him. To us, we're like, what do you mean to die is gain? In his perspective, he's looking at it like this. Yeah. He goes, well, to die is gain. Like, you don't get that? Exactly. <laughs> because because you can see the truth. You know, we, I'm yeah, not, yeah, that's a guy who's got a grasp of reality. He's got a grasp of reality. <laughs> you know, we, we used to talk growing up about, you know, having, we used to call it dying grace. And I remember as a kid asking, what is dying grace? What in the world? I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> And, and it was described to me as a peace that comes on someone when they're at the end, a believer. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I have been by the bedside of quite a few people as yeah, a pastor as they've passed on. And um, I've been there for some that were not peaceful. Mm -hmm. And I've been there for some that were. Yeah. And it's not even, and for me, it even... I have seen what I would consider if somebody had to put a label on, you know, dying grace or whatever. Um, I, I've seen that in the living, not just in the dying. Yeah. You know, and that's what enables people to go into dangerous situations because God has called you to go. It enabled Paul to say, you can kill me if you want to. I'm going to go be with the Lord or don't kill me. And I'm, so I can got work to do. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do to me doesn't matter because the truth is, Whatever happens, the Lord has a handle on. And I I told somebody some months ago, I was like, what, what your view is on the sovereignty of God changes everything about how you read, study, interpret, and yeah. live the scriptures. Because yeah. if God's not sovereign completely. Well, maybe that's what we're talking about. We talk about sovereignty and people know that word, but in our linear existence... We can't get past the academic part of it as bad as we want to. And it happens to all of us. Not everybody. That's part of the growth in working out your salvation is learning where this is. You want to know somebody that really knew that? Go read about Enoch. Yeah. That was a guy who really understood the reality of what God was. Um, Elijah must have in some degree or another. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about those yeah. a little bit. Uh, but I tell you, when I first started going on short-term mission trips, I went to Nicaragua several times. And I got to where I was, uh, uh, when we first went there, it was just a up in the air, we're going to try to do evangelism. We don't know nothing or anything, literally knocking on village doors, so to speak, and just showing up and doing some kind of service thing and doing it. And over time, 
uh, Christians in the nation started coming to weigh the cross, you know, talking to them, and then it started getting more and more and more developed. Well, anyway, in one of these things, uh, I was talking to a, a pastor and, uh, uh, well, conversing as best I could. And I was, uh, was kind of weak-minded. <laughs> And I asked him uh, one time, I said, so what do you do? Because he's like a pastor out in some village, you know. They don't, just, they're not just a pastor like ours can do, you know, where they get paid for studying. You know, they, they have to live. And so I asked him, I said, so what do you do, you know, when you're not getting paid by the church? And he said, well, I live by faith, brother. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, that's just church language. And I, and I said, I understand what you're saying, brother, but... What do you do to help make ends meet? And he looked at me almost like he was fixing to start crying, and he said, I live by faith. He expected me to understand that the answer, and I didn't. And it wasn't until some hours later, one of those where the Lord visited me things, at that place and on that function, that guy had a grasp of what that meant from a kingdom of how God looked at it. And so that was a that was another that was another uh, structural member, so to speak, of figuring out the sovereignty of God thing. Yeah, that was a powerful, powerful moment for me. Well, and and I I've actually been a I'll use the word accused. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but it's that Matt, you you, you focus on suffering too much. You know, you're you're always saying, well, what if he doesn't fix it? You know, what if he he doesn't bring you out, you know, and that's kind of where I'm, and they're like, you're always saying that, you know, and I'm like, yeah, because that's then the reality of a lot of people is, is that our linear thinking when we read, even when we read something like this, that, oh, he's going to make me to lie down in green pastures and leave me beside still waters and restore my soul. That obviously means he's going to solve all my problems and bring me out of my turmoil. Yeah, and I think they interpret, like, whenever you say things like that, uh, they think that you're speaking eternally. What do you mean? Oh, like it's going to eventually be okay? Because if you just keep talking about doom and gloom and doom and gloom and doom and gloom and doom and gloom, they're going, they're starting to think, you mean that that's all following God's ever going to be like? I'm not telling you what you're teaching is wrong. I don't mean like that. I'm just telling you how people think. And so, yeah, because the, the reality is, is, and I, and I even said this to somebody one time, we were talking about something, somebody living or dying was a heavy matter. And I said these words before I really thought them. That's a common problem of mine. And, and I said, <laughs> what I actually said was it doesn't matter. Yeah. And, you know, there was some shock and awe, you know, what do you mean? It doesn't matter. We got to get in there and we got to pray. And I'm like, no, yeah, we, we need to do that. But whether there's healing or whether there's not healing in this life literally does not impact who God is. That is exactly right. It, it absolutely doesn't, doesn't change who God is. And when you yeah. get to a place where you can realize and understand that what happens in the temporal world, in the natural world, in our world, it is important to him. When I say it doesn't impact him, I don't mean it's not important to him. It is important to him or he wouldn't be here. Yeah. He wouldn't have come. But it doesn't change the course of where he's heading. Well, it doesn't change the kingdom. His environment, or I don't know, however it is that you want to explain that. And that's what David, I think, when he is saying these things, it's almost like not some weird science fiction things where he's 
kind of floating between the yeah. <laughs> that's not what i'm talking about but in his spirit it's almost like he is speaking the father because he says even though i walk through right. the valley of the shadow of death i fear no evil for you are with me and there is it, evil out there that that's it, not disputed here it seems dark to us because it is dark forces are trying to make it dark yep but from kingdom's perspective there is no darkness and you can, <laughs> and you can have the still waters and the green grass in the middle of all of that darkness in the middle of all that evil and i i get in here and i think it's really easy especially right now gas prices going up economy's tank you know is is struggling everybody's talking about we're gonna have food shortages this whoever you listen to there's bad news and people get freaked out you know and i mean we've been accused before of just you know like well you just don't take things seriously like no it's not that yeah we may all run yeah. out of food and starve to death it's yeah. not that it, it may come but what this one reminds me is is that that reality that i can see is only a portion of the reality that actually is yeah and that guy that you were talking to he's not going to sweat the food shortage because he's living by faith and he knows that god's going to bring him what he needs to eat or god's going to take him home and it either one is what okay. you want to eat yeah but you're going to be sustained well i don't want to live like that well, I, I get all that i don't either but and that's 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 the part where you're working through it yeah but in the end you, you look at that and you go man god's hand was there well and i i was talking with somebody well maybe in you yesterday talking about you know we're we living with brenda and those sorts of things there are days when it's just really hard yeah you know um the weight is real and it's heavy um and when you get to a place though like like that we're in and you really turn someone and someone's situation over to the lord whatever he does with them we'll deal with um and it's not that you don't care it's not flippancy it's there's peace which is green grass and the still waters the restoring of soul that exists in the middle of things that are just going wonky yeah even in the face of death and suffering and so it's not that it doesn't matter but it just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things and it doesn't matter in the sense that it doesn't have to rob you of all your joy and your happiness and all of those things you can still have those things in the middle of stuff how much more when you're on the mountaintop you know when you really yeah. literally are beside a stream and a, you know you're out in the nature and whatever you know i mean and it's it's we send we tend to see to keep so much of our lives seem to exist with just bad news around us i mean times are tough right now and we think it's bad for us go to a third world country where they're making two dollars a day you know working 16 <laughs> well, on hours. that perspective difference and i've been in a lot of that uh but we, everybody's story is, the, is their, yeah, is their it, story it, it is their story and it doesn't change what god does and how he works it's all about how we think we want it or have to have it is where we get all wrapped around the axle over it and the thing about the kingdom is is that uh uh he spends an i think he spends an inordinate amount of time if you were to if you could label him like that i don't i think it's a bad way to do it but uh from our perspective he spends an inordinate amount of time uh with people who are spoiled 
like all of us. Yeah. And I say that relative to some of the third world places that I've been <clears throat> that you just don't go down to the store and get whatever it is, even if you have to buy the discount rated thing because you don't have enough money. Yeah. It, that's not how it works. And so these guys have a completely different outlook on what that means to walk and talk and do. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. And it had a big impact on me. Not that I don't walk by faith or, or live by faith, but I started understanding what that really was. Right. And he is the faith that that's back to that sovereignty thing. And all of us as teachers and all that, and we've spent a lot of time trying to help people see and grasp we can't make you grasp. Right. He's the one that's going to reach down and do that. All this stuff that we do, you go to church, you do this, you come to our trainings, you listen to this thing, even what we're doing right now, all the things you do, that's like the seed and the sower thing. It's, it's getting thrown all in there, and he's orchestrated every bit of that. Now, you could get into the thing, oh, well, then he just, you know, doesn't matter what I do. Yeah, that, that's a whole other conversation. I tell you, you need to go fight with him over that one. Uh, well, because I can't solve that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it does mean something for all this stuff to come in, even wrong stuff. And at some point, if he hadn't done it already, the green, the place of the green grass, you're all tied up and wrapped up around the axle about everything, but you know that there is something different there, however, whether you want to accept that or not, or however you want to see it, whatever the breakthrough is. And that doesn't mean that everything from our earthly perspective gets worked out. You just get to a place where you see the reality of it, and that's where the peace comes from. We're so linear. We understand that. Log's well, not good. You know, wisdom teaches you all that. But we're always looking for that place where the switch is going to flip and everything's going to be right from then on. and By our definition. By right. our definition of that, because we're so linear. Yeah. And that doesn't affect him. He's not that way. He's not that way. And I, you know, I believe when he comes again and everything is set right, so to speak. From the kingdom perspective, everything is right. It's working out over here. It's not time for him to come do it. That's what it means like he's being patient with all these people that yeah. don't want to see or do. He sees the turmoil. He knows what it's like. But he's also in the place where it's right. He is right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you can't talk about patience from his perspective. He knows what all that stuff is. So, I mean, almost you could see, well, that's in the spiritual. Okay, label it however you want. It's not out there that you can't get it. What does it say in Deuteronomy uh, and in Romans 10? Uh, the word is near you. Yeah, it's not far it's from you. It's not far from you. It's on your tongue and it's in your heart. Yep. That can only be if you were made like that. Right. That's that eternity that's put in us. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk yeah. about the kingdom. I want to know his reality and where it is. It may not be coming fast enough for me, and it ties me up in knots, and I get all mad about it, or I get hurt by it, or blah, 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 but I know the reality of it. Well, And, there's, and that's the part where I, I wish I could teach you that, but it's not an academic exercise. Well, and I guess for me to wrap up, and we got to land the plane, is we always talk about kingdom vision simply because being able to see things through his lenses 
is really the only way to survive, to endure. He calls us to endure, yeah, um, to persevere. And if we're looking at it from our perspective, we're going to be overwhelmed by what we see. Um, the last part of this verse has always been a neat thing for me. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. A lot of people take that, put it on a coffee cup, and they're like, that means he's going to vanquish all of my foes, and he's going to... And they're going to see my face knowing that they wronged me, and they're getting... Well, it's like even the, it's like the memes, you know, where the little baby cub is standing there, but the lion's behind him, you know. We think of it in those terms, that the enemy's going to... But if you read the context of what's happening here, what... He prepares the table before me in the presence of the enemies. In other words, the enemies are of no consequence to yes, him exactly because he is right. of a kingdom authority. The reality, just like when the demons, it's like if he wants you to have a table, you'll have a table. If he wants you to have faith, it doesn't matter whether they're there or not. And and whether and then he says, "You anoint my head with oil." And there's a big discussion about that. We don't have time. My cup overflows. And then I like the way he ends it. Surely, surely. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why does he have the confidence to say, surely, certainly, goodness and mercy are going to follow me forever through the presence of my enemies, through the valley of the shadow of death, beside the still water, in the green grass. Regardless of the situation, the goodness and the mercy that goes with us is the fact that we're in those places with our good shepherd. Well, and I don't think surely, if you just take it for the word that it is, linear people look at that and see it as a question Yeah, it's based not. off the front of it. You know, so surely this is going to work out. No. It's a certainty. It's an, yeah. <laughs> it's a certainty. It's a certainty that's done. Yeah, it's declared, it's done, it's written. Declared, that's what I was it, looking it's, it's for. It's a declarative yeah. statement of absolutely mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life, and regardless. I would even change that and say it is following you. Is follow, yeah, is, that's yeah. the that's the, that's the difference between the Lord as he stands and where he goes and what he does. And closing out on this, I mean, you, you can, where do, you, where, do, where, where do we get this stuff from? Well, for me, it was like conversations between God and Satan in the book of Job. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't get many insights like that. Yeah. Uh, reading in the book of Revelation, it's it, we see wars and all kinds of things going on, but what you don't miss, we talked about this panning back. You pan back out of Revelation, and it looks just like the conversation with God and, and Satan in the book of Job. He's questioning, and in, in our two-dimensional sense, when he's talking to, to to Satan, it's like he's playing a game, and hopefully I win. I didn't stick my foot in my mouth, and that's not what was happening. That was the surely part, and Satan was too wrapped up in himself to see it, and that's what happens in the book of Revelation as well. That's, <laughs> it's done. Well, I got, I was in a conversation on Facebook yesterday about, how you teach kids book of revelation and how do you talk about end times? <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that I asserted in the conversation was we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about the nuts and the bolts. People way smarter than me have been studying yeah. it forever yeah. and they all disagree. But yeah. what we do know is, is I can push them past what they're seeing around them. Well, is this world event, one of the events in, you know, is this country going to be here? I have no earthly idea. 
what I do know is, is I can push past what we're seeing and say, but look at what we're not seeing. What we can't physically see is the lamb standing there with the scrolls, is mm. the worship that's happening. We can focus on that, and regardless of how it plays out down here, we focus on the things that are the reality and not the shadow, and they will sustain us through whatever comes. And as we were talking about, what, where did I get this term kingdom from, too? It was also from when, uh, really having a blank moment here, I think it was Sermon on the Mount, but it might have been in Luke. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Yeah. That means look where he's at yeah. and what he does. And everybody goes, well, yeah, that's what we're all studying all this about. No. Just like we read Psalms here, there's different things going on there than just a man hiding in a cave that's hoping things are going to be okay. Yeah. And I always <laughs> encourage people, and we'll, we'll wrap this, is I encourage people, don't just read your scriptures with a light of where am I in it. Read, yeah, 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 yeah. Read your scriptures with an eye of where is God in this and what's God doing? What is God's perspective in this? And let that inform what it, how it plays out in your life instead of the other way around. We tend to do that the other way around. I think that's backwards. Well, and it's learned. Like I told yeah. you, we heard Psalms. I heard that, and all of a sudden it clicked. It happens in some places and not others, but when it does, I'm grateful for that insight because it, I keep seeing the sovereignty of God working in that. So anyway. We've got to land the plane, and we've probably got to get better at keeping this thing shorter. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's nobody else left watching, but if you, you are, we're glad you're here. Buy a cup and uh, help the ministry, but uh, you just need one. I think they turned out really well. Um, we'll be giving you more news on what's going on here in the fall with the ministry once we – we don't have dates yet. Um, we're working on several different things right now, um, doing some more training and teaching down in the valley. And uh, as we get those solidified, we'll let you know. If we have any opportunities for you to join us, we'll let you know. Um, and we're still pushing towards getting the app uh, completed. I've been working a, a lot on that, trying to get that pushed out early fall. I was going to try to do it midsummer. It's just not coming together quite as quickly as the developers wanted. So they're, we're going to be probably early fall. But uh, you guys, thanks for watching. Share the podcast, tell all your friends, you know, give them a YouTube link for Christmas or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> won't cost you anything. We'll talk to you later. We love you guys. Bye.